Think of a time when you made giant leaps forward in your life. Did you get the job you were hoping for? Did you have a breakthrough in your creative process? Did you resolve a conflict with your significant other? Or maybe did you heal from a health issue? Do you remember what you did in those minutes, weeks, or months leading up to your achievement? What was your attitude and, and how did you feel? What did you think about it? What did you say to yourself about it? Chances are you were optimistic, weren't you? You chose to believe in the best outcome and you believed in yourself and told yourself nice things. You decided to commit yourself to your goal and you saw the vision of yourself reaching that goal. So you felt motivated and you felt hopeful and fulfilled that you're on this amazing path to success and just taking action and doing your best. And it is a phenomenal feeling to be in that state and to experience the results that come from it, um, those giant leaps that result in our dreams coming to fruition. And we tend to feel that state in really small pockets at a time, and then we wonder how to get there again, and we're puzzled at how we even got there in the first place. Well, puzzle no more, because it is possible to be in that flow whenever you choose and to manifest your dream life with a little, powerful concept called quantum languaging. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Freehand Podcast, the show where we explore different perspectives to find more personal freedom in our lives. I am your host, Dominica. Thank you so much for choosing to listen and for joining me today because, you know, it's a pleasure to be here and to be recording this for you because this is part of my dream. This podcast is my dream manifested because I love to talk, especially about uplifting topics such as quantum languaging. And quantum languaging is really all about how to talk better. It is about being extra conscious of how you choose the words you write, speak, and think to yourself and others. Because language is the superpower that allows us to manifest ideas into three-dimensional existence. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty epic. And we actually talked about this concept in episode two, the transformative power of stories. And in that episode, we explored the reason why words are so powerful, and that sets the foundation for what we are exploring today, which is the how to employ words and stories in the most efficient, aligned way. So, if you have yet to listen to episode two, I invite you to do so because it will give you a stronger foundation for a better understanding of what we are talking about in this episode. Now, with that being said, let's get excited about learning about quantum languaging. To be honest and transparent, I am inspired to create this episode after reading Word Up by Danny Katz, and she coined the term quantum languaging. So much of the content of this episode comes from that book, and with a few of my own personal insights added, of course. So... Quantum languaging, it's quite the nifty term. Um, I feel that these days we hear the word quantum a lot, yet in the past I did not really understand what it meant. So before we dive into the specifics of quantum languaging, I think it's beneficial to define it just to make things extra clear. So quantum in easy to grasp terminology simply means the smallest unit or the smallest measurement. And it can be a measurement of anything. For example, the smallest unit of measurement of light is a photon. So a quantum of light is a photon. 
Another definition of quantum is the original Latin definition meaning how much. So, in a nutshell, it's a word referring to measurements and quantities. So when you attach quantum to language to make quantum languaging, that is to mean what is the smallest amount and or the most effective words we can use to communicate our message in the most potent way. Because there are many ways to communicate the same message, yet they are not all equally made, and each different phrasing produces different results, even though your intention may be the same. Why is that? Well, because words are made of energy, right? And, and they emit energy, as does the rest of everything in the universe. Everything in the universe is made of energy, and everything vibrates at different frequencies. Uh, it's physics. It's the laws of the universe. So, words vibrate at different frequencies. Lower, slower frequencies give us feelings of anxiety, depression, shame, and guilt. Whereas higher, faster frequencies give us feelings of joy, happiness, peace, calm, and enlightenment. Low frequencies make us heavy, dense, and sluggish, and high frequencies energize us and breathe life into us. Therefore, understanding that stories are a tool we use to bring us closer to our dreams, it is in our best interest to carefully craft those stories using high vibrational, life-affirming words. As I record this episode, I am very aware of the words I'm using, and being this detail-oriented and committed to bringing the best energy to this podcast is actually making it easier and a lot more fun to write it, which in turn makes it even more likely it gets out there and is successful. So words, choosing the right words is, is just, it's so powerful. You know, in the past, I mentally had this block towards starting new episodes and writing because even though I really enjoyed it once I got into it, I had this belief that starting a new episode was difficult. And that word, difficult, would be buzzing around in my mind. You know, starting a new podcast episode is difficult. Well, when I say that, it feels like it's dragging me down. It makes me want to procrastinate. It sabotages me into writing a subpar episode because it is hard to write a great one. Now, instead of saying it's difficult to write a new episode, I could say starting a new podcast episode is easy and fun. And easy and fun have a much higher energy. You feel motivated to take action when you say that something will be easy and fun. You feel motivated to create something amazing, right? So I, I welcome you to use those words in a sentence and feel the responses they elicit in your body. And I would recommend doing it with something that you traditionally have not enjoyed or avoided doing. So use difficult in one sentence and then easy and fun in another. So I invite you to do that right now. Take a moment to do that. Do you feel how your energy increases when you say that X activity is easy and fun? It motivates you to do it, even if you have not liked this activity in the past. All right, congratulations. You are now on your way to learning how to be a pro in using quantum languaging hacks and manifesting your dream life. Pretty amazing, pretty exciting. We now know that words vibrate at different frequencies, so it is super important to choose them carefully. Marvelous. Still, 
there are thousands of words in the English language, so how do we figure out which words are the best to use? One way to do it is to feel your way through each word, so just saying a word out loud and feeling the response in your body. If you feel energized, motivated, and empowered, then that word is your friend. And some words um, are actually neutral, and those are also okay as well, but we definitely want to avoid the, the ones that make us feel heavy, that are dragging us down, and that are stopping us from, you know, getting things done. So, feeling your way through each word is great. Uh, on the one hand, though, it, it does take some time to do, so let's make this easier for you and outline the most common detrimental words to avoid in your everyday life. And this is really going to elevate you to the level of superhuman because now, by eliminating these detrimental words, you are raising your frequency to a level that will bring those big leaps forward in your life and your goals and your dreams will realize even faster. So, the words to drop from our vocabulary are try, can't, can, have to, will, but, need, want, should, never, always, maybe, if, and the final one is sorry. Now these are seemingly small, trivial words, so we don't consciously register how much we are using them every day and in, in every sentence. It's through repetition that using these low-frequency words has become a habit, so it seems strange at first to realize that it is actually easy as pie to communicate without them, and it feels a lot better to communicate using better words. So here are some quantum languaging hacks to use to replace those words and communicate your dreams into the 3D more effectively, starting with try. So why do we avoid the word try? Because it implies doubt. You've heard the phrase before, don't try, do. People say that because try implies the possibility of failure. It is better to imply the certainty of success by doing. Doing implies the completion of the action. When we use words that imply a completed action, we become committed to making that action a success. When I record this, I am not trying to make a successful podcast. I am making a successful podcast. And with that simple tweak in language, you go from being a victim of random circumstances because trying implies that something is going to get in your way at some point, to mastering your destiny by being committed to doing what you dream. And not to be delusional, you know, creating a successful podcast, for example, does present challenges along the way, yet by saying I am making a successful podcast instead of I am trying to make a successful podcast, I am much more motivated to work through those challenges instead of giving up doing the podcast because of them. Does that make sense? Okay, let's move on. How about the words can't and can? Well, these words also imply doubt. Can't obviously implies doubt because you are literally saying you can't do something. You are automatically relinquishing your sovereignty and freedom by saying this. You are telling the universe that you have no authority over the actions you take in life. The truth is, though, that in most circumstances, you can do it. You are choosing not to. So instead of saying, I can't go to your birthday party on Saturday night, say, I am not going to your birthday party on Saturday night because I'm going to my daughter's dance recital. 
because you can choose to skip your daughter's dance recital and go to the party. So it's not true that you can't go to the party. You can. You are choosing not to because you are a free person. That's what this podcast is all about. It's about becoming a free person or I guess realizing that you are a free person. You are a responsible adult who makes their own decisions and you are not leaving it up to the universe alone to make those choices for you. You collaborate with it. The universe listens to what we say and helps us realize those potentials and those vibrations that we're putting out there. Our bodies and our minds are like antennas that send and receive signals to and from the collective consciousness. The universe is intelligent and we are part of it and we tune into that intelligence, whether you call it God, spirit, energy, or, or intelligence, you know, th this is what I'm talking about. And this is going to be explored more deeply in another episode. Um, I still want to touch on it briefly here though, because it is so powerful and, and related to this exploration of quantum languaging. You know, this universal intelligence has been known by mystics and healers and spiritually enlightened for, for hundreds of years. For the rest of us, it has been challenging to accept that truth because we didn't know how to demonstrate it scientifically yet. Now we are at the point where it is being demonstrated through science. Dr. David R. Hawkins wrote many books on this very topic, demonstrating his scientific studies that proved that we are connected to this collective consciousness, that our bodies and, and subconscious mind instinctively tune into it, and they use that universal intelligence to tell us what is good and bad for us, um, regardless of what we are logically thinking. So... I welcome you to search up some David R. Hawkins videos on YouTube and, and read some of his books because uh, his work is so incredible and, and so uplifting. So yeah, the subconscious mind is, is super interesting and, and it works thousands of times faster than the conscious mind um, as it connects to this universal intelligence. And it makes sense because we developed the subconscious mind first so that we could tune into that intelligence and then the logical mind developed thousands of years later. So we are emotional, sensing, um, instinctive creatures first and then we use logic to make sense of those instincts. And the logical mind, um, our prefrontal cortex, it's simply offering up stories of what it thinks is happening. It doesn't actually know the truth. The, the truth or your reality is a collaboration of the senses you subconsciously receive, the stories that your logical mind offers you about them, and your willingness to believe said stories. And once you choose to believe a story, it becomes your reality, which is why two people who witness the same event can perceive it in such different ways. Now, it is also pertinent to mention that the subconscious mind and the universe it connects with communicate in positives, so they don't process negatives. So what I mean by that is when the logical mind offers up a phrase such as, I don't want to be stupid, the universe hears, I want to be stupid. It listens to the vibrations and the energetic frequency of the words you say, not the actual words themselves. So the I do not want that comes before stupid means nothing. The universe picks up the frequency of the word stupid and helps you construct your reality in accordance with that energy. So even though you don't want to be stupid, which is a great thing, the universe will continue to show you that you are stupid until you learn to say, I am intelligent, which is 
a phrase stated in the positive. This is why to be, you know, a professional dream manifester, we need to start with interrupting the negative thought patterns in the conscious mind and rephrasing the stories it offers us. And that is quantum languaging. It is the process of cleaning up all those crackly, noisy signals which are confusing the subconscious mind and the message of intent it sends out to the universe. We start cleaning up that message at the source, which is our not-so-logical, logical mind. We need to start with the words and start with the stories. So, that was a slight detour in the trajectory of this episode to go into the metaphysical. You know, I admit that I'm a nerd for this kind of thing, and it is because it is so helpful in understanding why crafting our sentences carefully matters. So, I hope you enjoyed that. So, anyway... We will explore more of that soon in a different episode. Let's get back to some more awesome quantum languaging hacks. Okay, so I was offering alternatives for the word can't, and it's super duper easy. Instead of can't, say, I choose to, or I choose not to, or simply, I am not going to. That is much clearer and more empowering uh, of a sentence to, to construct. In a similar fashion, can is also a word to avoid. It is better than can't, still, can suggests that you have yet to complete the action in question. For example, before I sit down to write this podcast, I could say to myself, I can write a great episode. However, can is just a possibility. It's a maybe. I can do it. Will I, though? Mm, who knows? There is just not a lot of movement towards taking action with the word can. I am writing a great episode. Now that is a powerful sentence. I am writing a great episode ensures my commitment to that end. And I don't know exactly how the structure of this episode will turn out, but I'm figuring it out along the way. You know, having the whole thing planned out in advance is not necessary. What matters most is the commitment. So instead of saying can, just say I am. Pretty easy, right? Yeah, it's, it's super simple and it, it's so powerful. Okay, which word is next? Which is the next offender that we need to boot from our vocabulary? The next one is have to. And it is pretty much the same concept as with can't and can. When you say that you have to do something, what you are really saying is that you have no choice in the matter. For example, you could say, I have to go to my trumpet lesson. Well, no, you are choosing to go to your trumpet lesson because you aspire to get the trumpet solo for the grand finale of your jazz band's next performance. So instead of saying, I have to go to my trumpet lesson, simply say, I am going to my trumpet lesson. Or even better, I am super duper excited to go to my trumpet lesson. Now, one of the most common abuses of have to is the line, I have to go to work. Nobody is forcing you to go to work. You can choose to live a life couch surfing and squatting and being a bum, but you would rather have a stable income, so you choose to go to work. You are a free, sovereign human, so start speaking like it. I am going to work. Now that is easy, breezy, and beautiful, right? Okay, I'm glad you agree. What is the next word to tackle? The next word is will. 
Will and Can are really great friends because they are both stagnant and they enjoy being couch potatoes. They have aspirations of all kinds, yet they don't act on them. Will, like Can, suggests procrastination. Some, you know, imaginary action in the future. And I want to make it clear that you can still say will, just remember to stay conscious of how you are using it. For example, um, if there is an event coming up that you have already committed to, then using will is appropriate. For example, imagine that you, you do get the trumpet solo for your jazz band performance. Congrats, amazing, right? Well, then you can say to your friends, I will play the trumpet solo at the jazz band performance in two weeks. And that's an appropriate use of the word will. However, if you are merely contemplating doing an action, why contemplate when you can do? For example, saying something like, I will study for my physics test versus I am studying for my physics test. Once again, much more motivating. There's a lot more propensity towards action in that phrase. You could also say something like, I am committed to studying for my physics test, or I am putting aside time to study for my physics test. And you know, another big part of quantum languaging is using the present tense instead of the future or past tense, because the only time that truly matters is the present. The future doesn't exist, and the past doesn't either. You can't take action in the future. You take action in the now. There is this moment, and now there is this moment, and now this moment. The future is not real. The future is just the arrival of each new moment in the now. So take action now and do so by speaking in the present tense. But, see, wasn't that weird? I confused you with but. But is a weird word. Not but as in B-U-T-T, although that is also a weird word. No, I mean but with one T. And but is, it's just a big annoying know-it-all. But thinks it knows better than everyone. And if you've ever worked on a group project, you know how difficult it is to work with a know-it-all. They are constantly saying but and closing the group off to any semblance of collaboration because their ideas are better. In their own head, they think that anyways. For example, the know-it-all in your group project says... That's an interesting idea, Stephanie, but I actually found something pretty cool on this website. That but is a big old slap in the face to Stephanie. Because when you hear but after a proposition you made, it does not inspire collaboration, it inspires resentment, like, hello, did you even acknowledge my idea? So, better words to use instead of but are and, also, yet, plus, while, and also, as well. So let's fix this situation with Stephanie. Instead of completely shooting Stephanie's idea down, we should acknowledge it and, and inspire teamwork and collaboration and innovation by saying, that's an interesting idea, Stephanie, and I found this really awesome design on this website. Maybe we can create a mix of both. Now, Stephanie is willing to work with you and create a stellar interior design team project. Now that's awesome. Okay, now we are entering the big leagues. So let's break down the words need and want. These are big no-nos because need and want imply lack. If you need or want something, it means that you don't have it. You are missing something. You are empty on the inside. And you know, that's not a fun way to be feeling. 
And the frequency of lack is not one you want to be broadcasting to the universe because as we have discussed, the universe will give you more lack, which is quite the funky paradox because, you know, more lack, it's like, how do you have more lack? It's weird, but that's what will happen if you are always saying that you need and want things. Now, that doesn't mean that your desire to have something is bad. All it means is that to attract abundance in your life, uh, to manifest, you know, your dream house, dream guitar, car, couch, camera, whatever, be excited about it. Talk about it like you already have it. For example, uh, I would really love to have a vintage, like, Gibson guitar. That would be really cool, right? So if that was my dream, I would want to say something like, I am excited to play my vintage Gibson ES355 electric guitar. I am excited to feel the fretboard and strings under my fingers. I am excited to learn 2112 by Rush on my vintage Gibson guitar. So be specific, because the more specific you are, the less ambiguity there is for the universe to figure out, and the faster you manifest your dream. You already have everything within you. So speak from a place of abundance, and abundance you will receive. Okay, on to the word should. Which is funny because I'm pretty sure that I said it a few times this episode, but I am doing my best to eliminate it from my vocab as much as I can. So, should reminds me of but. It's bossy, it doesn't acknowledge your own ideas, it thinks it knows better, and it assumes that it has more authority than you. For example, let's say you are writing a song with your friend Greg, and Greg says to you, you should try an A major 7 chord in that part instead of a regular A major. Well, you should shove your head in a toilet, Greg. At least, that's the response that should evokes emotionally. You know, the advice could be great. So, for someone to receive that advice and implement it, leave out the should and word it this way. Are you open to using an A major 7 chord there instead of the A major? Now that is so much better. That is inspiring and that is... You know, the sound of a light bulb going off in your head. And you smile at your friend and tell him that he's awesome and thanks for the suggestion. Should is just, it's a bossy word. So yeah, avoid it as much as you can. Saying stuff like, I invite you to try. Oh, there we go. Caught myself. I was about to say try. Um, But yeah, saying stuff like, uh, I invite you to do this instead of that. Would you consider? Get creative with it. Just avoid the word should as much as you can, especially when you're giving advice. All right, moving on to the words never and always. These are words that keep us stuck because they are absolutes. Life is not stagnant. It is an ever-changing and moving story. So to communicate with words like never and always, well, it's a lie. It's deception. Even things that seem constant now, like the sun, will one day change. Always and never make us into rigid control freaks who don't know how to deal with change. We all know someone who is a perfectionist and says stuff like, I always get above 90% on my math tests. Well, maybe that is serving them well for now. Still, these perfectionist people are, are holding themselves to very rigid standards, and that puts them into the mindset that if they don't achieve that, they are somehow less than. And as life changes, our desires change and our our circumstances change. And believing that you can control life with absolute certainty is not realistic. In the past, it was that mindset 
that led me to develop OCD is that need for, for absolute certainty and control. The need to always be right, to always be perfect, and to always achieve a rigid set of standards. And of course it's not possible because we are human and we are perfectly imperfect. So we can influence our lives for the better and we can do the things we love, yet we do not have control of all the outcomes. I am doing what I love when I record this podcast and write it. It's amazing. It gives me a great feeling and it makes me happy. Yet I don't know what the outcome of this podcast will be. I am doing my best to influence it into being something great. As to what that greatness looks like, well, who knows? Only time will tell. And I no longer have OCD because I taught myself how to be okay with change and with letting go of the need for absolute control. And I did that through starting with changing my language, how I speak to myself in my head and to others. So stay away from never and always. Instead of saying, I will never recover from my OCD, say, I haven't yet recovered from my OCD. And go even further, add on, I am excited to learn new techniques to help me become calm. Now you are bringing the energy of healing into the present tense, and that motivates you to take action now. You haven't recovered yet, which implies you are working on it currently, and that is a great thing. And you know, that is the thing about mental health issues like OCD, depression, and anxiety. They keep you stuck by occupying your mind about the past and future. Oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? Why did I do that? Why did he say that to me? It's a trap. Remember that your words have energy, so use them wisely. If you are depressed, you are talking negatively to yourself and to others, and you're thinking negatively about life, because if you weren't talking negatively you wouldn't be depressed. Happy people tell themselves nice things and that's why they're happy. The truths of life are frequently so simple and common sense. And, you know, I think that's why it can be so hard to miss them. It's because it's, it's so obvious. It's just right in front of us that we don't even bother to look there. So anyways, moving on, uh, let's look at words to use of instead of always. So we can use often, sometimes, and prone to. For example, instead of saying, I always lose my keys, say, I am prone to losing my keys. This gives you the opportunity to acknowledge the problem while staying away from identifying with it. Even better is to say, in the past, I've been prone to losing my keys. Now I'm learning how to remember where my keys are. Now you are letting go of that identity into the past and a new version of you can exist in the present, the version of you that remembers where she put her keys. Okay, let's go to the opposite of the absolutes, never and always, and focus in on the words maybe and if, and any synonyms such as perhaps and possibly. Once again, these are words to avoid because they imply doubt and uncertainty. Notice the pattern? It really is so simple. To manifest our dream lives, it is in our best interest to be confident in our abilities and our decisions. Also, words like maybe and perhaps drain us of energy by leaving us open to many different actions at once. For example, if your mom asks you if you can water her plants while she is away in Mexico, and you say maybe, now you are in this weird place between yes and no, where... You're thinking about rearranging your schedule to make that work, yet your boss might say no to that, so then you think about asking a friend to do it for your mom, and 
It's just a whole lot of hypotheticals that are draining your energy for no good reason. Not only are you draining your energy by saying maybe, you are also draining the receiver's energy by keeping them open to your potential yes or no. So you are both stuck because of the maybe. Just say yes or say no. You can change your answer later if your schedule changes. That's fine. Or simply say, I will let you know my answer by X date and X time. That way there is no wasted energy and no mix-ups. And the same logic extends to the word if. It leaves you and the person you are talking to dangling to all sorts of hypotheticals, which depletes the energy you'd like to use to get your best work done. And again, this pattern of doubt is, is present as well, because you doing the action you desire becomes dependent on the completion of another action. For example, I can say, if I finish cleaning my kitchen, I can work on my next podcast episode. Yet a better way to say it is, I am excited to write my next podcast episode after I clean my kitchen. That phrase brings you into the present and clearly sets out an easy path to follow. And you're just, you're not dangling to any, to any ifs when you phrase things uh, in a clearer fashion that way. So you're much more motivated to follow through on the task and start the next one. All right, we have reached the final quantum languaging hack of this episode. Congratulations, you know, give yourself a pat on the shoulder because you are now vibrating at a much higher level than you were just about half an hour ago. The power of words is truly marvelous. Okay, so the final word to axe from our vocab is sorry. And I'm a Canadian, so I have been guilty of abusing this word. Canadians say sorry all the time. Look guys, sorry is for sincere apologies. Times when you truly regret something you said or did to a friend or someone you love and you desire to mend the wound through acknowledging the issue, not for when you accidentally bump shoulders with someone on the bus. That doesn't warrant an apology. These constant sorries water down the meaning of the word. Plus, when you say sorry for bumping shoulders with someone on the bus, you are taking responsibility for something that you are not responsible for. Buses move, they jolt people around, and that's not your problem, that's not your responsibility. So, oops is a perfectly good substitute for sorry in this type of situation. Furthermore, when we say sorry in response to something like a friend's bad news, we are also unconsciously taking responsibility for the events in their life. So a better way to address them would be, how can I help? Assuming that you do desire to help them, if you don't, then don't say that. There are many different ways to offer comfort to your friend or family member through their time of loss or hardship without saying sorry and taking responsibility for their life. So I encourage you to be creative with the responses you give in these situations and please avoid the word sorry. Okay, we did it. How does it feel to be superhuman? How does it feel to be on the path to achieving your dreams? I invite you to go out there and use all of these quantum languaging hacks and see what happens because starting now is the best time to start. Repeat after me. I am using quantum languaging hacks to manifest my dream life. Feels good. I know it does. I know you feel it. I know you feel energized when you say that. It really works. It really does. 
All right. You are amazing. Thank you so much for listening. Your commitment to finishing this podcast shows how much you care about creating positive change in your life. And that is super honorable. So with that being said, I am your host, Dominica. This is the Freehand Podcast, and I will talk to you next time. Also, I invite you to engage with me on Instagram. The handle is at the Freehand Podcast. All right. Take care and have a wonderful day. Bye.